Hello, this is Joan D. Martin from Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. The title of today's post is Ohio's Toxic Train Derailment. This environmental disaster could happen in your backyard. I'm going to start with a quote from a February 24th, 2023 article from the Washington Post. Quote, three weeks after the toxic train derailment in Ohio, an independent analysis of the Environmental Protection Agency data has found nine air pollutants at levels that, if the trend persists, could raise long-term health concerns in and around East Palestine. The analysis by Texas A&M University researchers stands in contrast to statements made by state and federal regulators that air near the crash site is completely safe, despite residents complaining about rashes, breathing problems, and other health effects. End quote. East Palestine, Ohio, a small town of about 5,000 residents, is a stone's throw from the Pennsylvania border and a three-hour drive north and east from the capital city of Columbus. The recent train derailment and subsequent release of hazardous materials into the area's land, water, and air has made national news for several weeks, and for good reason. This type of accident can happen practically anywhere, and for this community and surrounding area, it will have a decades-long impact. By the way, I'm referring to the train derailment as an accident for a lack of a more accurate description. When the Director of National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, announced its preliminary findings from an investigation of the derailment, the director stated, and I'm paraphrasing, that it was no accident and completely preventable. But neither she nor the report explained what could have prevented it, at least not yet. But I think they eventually will. Putting aside other types of environmental disasters for the moment, like oil and gas pipeline leaks, oil rig explosions, groundwater and drinking water contamination from various manufacturing sources, and the occasional nuclear power plant meltdown, Train derailments with hazardous material spills don't rank especially high on the list in frequency. According to the Association of American Railroads, trains transported millions of carloads of chemicals in 2021 alone, and the vast majority, 99.9%, reached its destination without incident. Specifically, this means without a release of chemicals caused by a train accident. But even if that is an accurate assessment, the remaining number, depending on how it's calculated, is somewhere close to 80 incidents across all modes of transportation of hazardous materials in a single year. And if it's your town or state plagued by decades of health problems and testing, remediation and monitoring activities, it will upend your life and thousands of others, as the people of East Palestine have learned. And here's a, another quote from the Washington Post uh, from an article dated February 17, 2023. Quote, the number of hazmat incidents resulting from crashes or derailments across all modes of transportation fell to 80 last year, down from more than 360 a decade ago 
according to records from the Transportation's Depart Department Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. The largest share of incidents, 58 of 80 last year, occurred on highways, while the second most share occurred on railroads. It is unclear whether chemical spills were involved in each case. End quote. Because I live in Ohio and practiced environmental law for one of the state agencies involved in the remediation efforts at East Palestine, I've paid particularly close attention to the responses of the various government officials and agencies. I've read the analyses of journalists, environmental scientists, professors, and others who have tried to make sense of this accident from an outsider's perspective. Although None of us know how this sudden hazardous materials release will eventually play out. According to NBC News, it might help to look at past similar accidents to assess short- and long-term impacts on the East Palestine community. Over 40 years ago, in September 1982, there was a train derailment in Livingston, Louisiana, that shares many similarities to the East Palestine accident. The Livingston derailment included a significant release of vinyl chloride, and emergency responders also chose to do a controlled release and burn-off of that chemical to avoid a more dangerous and likely explosion. And the train cars that derailed in Livingston and East Palestine were carrying ethylene glycol, known to cause sore throats and nausea at high concentrations. Livingston's residents immediately complained of symptoms extremely similar to the people of East Palestine 40 years later. Headaches, sore throats, nosebleeds, nausea, skin rashes, dizziness, and respiratory flare-ups of bronchitis and asthma. The cancer diagnoses come years later. It shocked me that both government officials and Local doctors in East Palestine seem reluctant to connect the sudden onset of these symptoms with exposure to hazardous chemicals. From what I have read and experienced talking with citizens when working at the Ohio EPA, these same symptoms have been recorded by regulatory agencies and medical professionals for over half a century. Even with exposure to vastly different chemicals, like for example, hexavalent chromium in the groundwater and drinking water of Hinkley, California, for example, many of these symptoms overlap. It seems that in the last few days, though, more doctors have seen a number of patients with similar symptoms and are beginning to connect the dots. But perhaps the most important similarity of these two toxic spills and thousands of others is the fear. Residents are afraid to drink their own tap water, afraid to breathe the air, afraid to plant their spring vegetable gardens or let their dogs out in their own backyards. Yes, overall, there are fewer train derailments than 40 years ago, particularly with trains carrying hazardous materials. But today, there are also more hazardous materials being transported and for longer distances. And there is still not a quick fix for a massive hazardous materials release. The Livingston, Louisiana Remediation Water Monitoring 
continued for 30 years. It is a long and costly process, and the locals lose not only their way of life, but their precious time. That's what Aaron Brockovich, a 30-year environmental activist, said at the Overflow Town Hall she hosted in East Palestine on a Friday evening, just about three weeks after the train derailment. She also spent a day or two before the town hall speaking individually with residents and urging them to band together, ask questions, and request answers. This is going to be a long game, she said to the crowd. I'm including a tweet from her uh, Twitter feed uh, where she, there's a picture of her talking with a local resident who expressed worry about what will happen to his dogs months from now if they go outside and eat the grass. If you're interested in learning more about this train derailment and hazardous material release and what information and data the various agencies involved have produced to date, and will produce in the future, I provided a few resources below. First, and probably most importantly, is the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's website section devoted to the East Palestine derailment. It seems to be extremely comprehensive and forthcoming, especially when you access the various links it provides to separate documents and testing data. Here are two documents accessible from this site I think are particularly important. The first is the unilateral order issued by the U.S. EPA to Norfolk Southern on February 23, 2023. This document lays out the facts surrounding the derailment and exactly what testing and cleanup actions the railroad is required to complete and by what time frames. It also includes, an append as an Appendix A, a list of the train cars that derailed, what each was carrying, and how each car was emptied. Important note, the order requires Norfolk Southern to submit weekly reports and or updates on their progress to the U.S. EPA, which should be made be public documents and posted on the U.S. EPA website for your review. If they are not posted, contact the hotline number from the website or a local official and request each of their required company updates. And I've included a link to be able to download that order. And a second document accessible from this website is the U.S. EPA data collection map. For those who live in the area or for others keeping track of the remediation efforts, it's important to know where the monitoring and testing are taking place. A copy, uh, another document, is a copy of the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB preliminary report uh, on the East Palestine train derailment that was issued on February 23rd, 2023. It briefly explains what the board has examined so far and what remains for them to investigate. Finally, there are statistics compiled by OpenSecrets.org, and this is not from the um, this is not taken from the US EPA website, by the way. It's something I looked up, but uh, statistics, statistics compiled by the OpenSecrets.org detailing the amount of money 
contributed by the major players in the railroad industry on federal lobbying efforts. The total amount for 2022 alone was $24,634,162. Norfolk Southern ranked fourth in lobbying money spent uh, on lobbying efforts out of the 53 clients listed in this report for 2022, and they spent $1,800,000. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this recent environmental accident. Have you been following the developments? Where are you getting your information? Does this post provide helpful information for you? Please let me know in the comments section below. I'd love to hear what you think. And by the way, I am thrilled to welcome all of our new subscribers. Crime and Punishment has had a flurry of signups since the beginning of the new year, and I extend a hearty and grateful welcome to each of you. Your support means everything to me. I have lots of ideas bolstered with new research, a podcast expansion, and some special guests in the works, so stay tuned. As always, I appreciate your interest and thoughtful ideas that make our crime and punishment community a welcoming space to visit and chat. There's no time like the present to become a free or paid subscriber, and there's no time like the new year to upgrade your free subscription to paid. It's easy and will allow me to continue and expand crime and punishment. Thanks in advance for your support. And as always, thank you for reading and listening. This is Joan D. Martin from Crime and Punishment, Why the Poor Stay Poor in America. <laughs>